Thanks for tuning in to This is the Life podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Ann Edwards. And in this episode today, the breaker is here to help us break down idolatry and demonic altars. God is not partial and he cannot lie. So as the Lord takes us on the journey to help us fulfill the purpose and calling on our lives, he is explicit in his promises to us. And in order to fulfill these promises, the breaker is here to help us break down anything and everything that stands in our way. I hope you enjoy this episode of This is the Life. Hi there. Before I begin, I want to invite you to listen today with intention. The Lord is breaking down a lot of things in this episode. It is packed with knowledge. So I ask you to go a little deeper into the word with open ears, mind, and heart in the hope of receiving fresh and specific revelation for your life today. As the Lord told me the other day, we're in deep. So let's listen to what the master has to say. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 10, we learn what God spoke over Jeremiah. He shared with Jeremiah that he set him over nations and kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. God confirmed Jeremiah's calling, and he gave his promise that when Jeremiah obeyed, he would deliver him. So just as the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, he also speaks to us. Jesus is here to help us break down idolatry and demonic altars. Here's a quote by Martin Luther, a German theologian, professor, pastor, and church reformer born in the 1400s. Quote, Whatever your heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God, your functional Savior. The Bible speaks about idolatry in multiple scriptures and is simply littered with passages warning us about the danger of worshiping idols and engaging in idolatry. In the great love letter we call the Bible, we see God warning his people on many different occasions not to mix with other nations because of their worship of idols and false gods. And we see the progression of suffering that the children of Israel experienced when they disobeyed God's command. As the words of the Bible unfold in this century, it is no different. Our God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's still not tolerant of his people worshiping anything or anyone other than him. He's not playing, as he literally says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. Our landscapes, locations, physical features, Lifestyles, languages, clothing, amenities, and so much more may be much more improved than those who lived in the first century. Yes, we may have electricity, television, and indoor plumbing, but we are still humans. And as such, we do fall short at times and have chased after other things and people to complete or satisfy us instead of the one true living God. Today, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper look to find out exactly what God says about idols, false gods, idolatry, and what he commands. 
Let us first look at the definitions of each word, what God has to say about them, and then we will see how it applies to our lives today. The definition of the word idol in the dictionary is an image or representation of a god used as an object of worship, a person or thing that is greatly admired, loved, or revered. The Hebrew definition of the word idol is image, family idol, a kind of idol used in household shrines or worship. It is also the same word that is used to define idolatry in the Hebrew language. The Greek definition of the word idol means an image for worship, whatever represents the form of an object, either real or imaginary. It also means the image of a heathen god. A false god. The Bible references idols by calling them empty things in 1 Samuel chapter 12 verse 21, as well as nothing at all in the world in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 4. The dictionary definition for false god is a deity or object of worship besides the Abrahamic god that is regarded as either illegitimate or non-functioning in its professed authority or capability. The definition for idolatry in the dictionary is the worship of a cult image or idol as though it were a deity. The Greek definition for the word idolatry means a full of idols, and it also means the worship of false gods. When God gave the law to Moses, He expressly stated in no uncertain terms that no other God should be worshipped above him. Here are a few scriptures detailing what God says about idols and idolatry. We begin with Exodus chapter 20 verses 2 to 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And by the way, this is the first of the Ten Commandments. Let's go to Exodus 23, verse 13. I'm reading from um, the, what's this, New International Version. It says, Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard from your lips. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 9 to 11 says, Those who make an image, all of them are useless, and their precious things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They neither see nor know that they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? Surely all his companions would be ashamed. And the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear. They shall be ashamed together. 1 John chapter 5 verses 19 to 21 says, We know that we are of God, 
and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Idolatry is the worship of an idol, something used to take the place of God as if it were a deity or someone to be revered other than God. Idolatry is what we love, focus on, look up to, seek after, lean on, turn to, and treasure more than God. It is anything we worship or give our hearts to above him. It comes in many modern-day forms, and we are so easily entangled by it, most times without even realizing it. It could manifest in the worship of our image, the way we see ourselves, self-centeredness. It could also manifest in the worship of our families, children, money, food, travel, marriage, careers, the blessings and resources of God. It could be our ideas, dreams, businesses, ministries, spiritual leaders, religious practices, athletes, actors, recording artists, the opinions of others, prophets, prophetic ministries, our bodies, the tendency to worry. An idol could also be our achievements, our problems, our past pains, lifestyles, sex, drugs, educational background, social media, the love of nature, comfort, ease, and so much more. Key signs that we are dealing with an idol is that it consumes too much time or energy, and it dominates our thoughts and steals our attention away from God. Whatever is exalted above God is an idol and must be torn down and the breaker is here to help us do it. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, we are warned not to love the world. We learn that there are gateways that we need to stay clear of in order to avoid being consumed by the evil worldly systems created by Satan. These gateways are identified as the lust of the flesh, which relates to us giving way to our fleshly or natural desires. The lust of the eyes, which involves us being enticed by Satan to engage our senses in things that are of the world. And the pride of life, which speaks to our desire to impress others and indulge in vanity. God warns us that if we love the world, then we have chosen not to place him as first in our lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 3 to 4, it says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. So in this text, Samuel, whom the Lord placed over the children of Israel as judge, 
He's delivering God's message to them. He calls them out of idolizing the gods of their time, uh, the Baals and the Ashtoreths, which were, they were Canaanite gods. Samuel tells them here that if they repent, if they turn away from what is not of God and they change their minds from worshiping false gods and serve God himself, then he will save them from their enemies. History has repeated itself. And here and now in our time, God is calling us away from idolizing false gods so that he can protect us from the adversary, the devil. The Lord calls us to come now in repentance for our idolatrous ways and to ask for his help to break it all down. When we repent, it is not just saying the words, I repent. It is an action. It is changing our minds and turning away from what God says is sin and turning towards him. It involves us agreeing with and doing his word. Let us ask for his help to become aware of anything and anyone that has become an idol in our lives. Let us repent, agree that it is sin by confessing, and ask for forgiveness. Okay, now we're going to shift our focus to what the breaker is sharing about breaking down evil altars erected in our lives. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 22 to 26. God gives the children of Israel the law of the altar in this scripture, and he dictates what an altar should not be. Then he shares what it should be in accordance with worshiping him. So let's break this down together. The text says, um, and this is starting in verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. So here God is stating that he doesn't want any material representations to accompany an altar built for his worship. So remember, in those days when people were worshiping false gods, they carved images out of stone, wood, gold, uh, and silver to represent who they were worshiping. Here, God explicitly forbids that. He doesn't want to be associated with anything related to the worship of non-existent gods, because after all, he is the only and true living God. All right, let's keep going. Verse 24. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. So here in verse 24, the Lord is giving specific instructions about the type of altar that should be made in his honor. Notice it doesn't have any extra details or additional items accompanying it. He also makes a point to say that wherever they build this altar in his name, he will come and bless them. Let's keep this in mind as we discuss further. Now we're going to look at the final two verses, beginning with verse 25. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may be exposed on it. Again, God is very specific. 
He states that if they build an altar of stone, that they should not use tools on it. It should be a stone that is in pure form. The people worshipping false gods were using tools to shape elements of the earth into images. And to do the same for an altar dedicated to God would be, as he says here, profane, meaning relating or devoted to that which is not sacred or biblical, secular rather than religious. It also means to treat something sacred with irreverence or disrespect. He also tells them that the altar shouldn't have a raised platform that requires steps because that would expose the nakedness of the people, perhaps because those ministering at the altar didn't have or wear undergarments at that time. However, we do learn in Exodus chapter 28 verses 42 to 43 that God later commanded that the priests wear undergarments when ministering in his temple. All of this speaks to God being very deliberate about how he desires to be worshipped, and it certainly doesn't include any other God being added or elevated above him. Now let's look at the definition of an altar. An altar is defined as any structure upon which offerings, such as sacrifices, are made for religious purposes. In the Bible, An altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with God that had a profound impact on someone. Examples of altars being built to honor and remember God includes Noah after the flood in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. Abraham did it to declare his faith in God's promise in Genesis chapter 12 verse 7. Moses in Exodus chapter 17 verse 15. Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 14 verse 35 and David in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 verse 25. So an altar is also a place where we can say humanity meets with divinity. In other words, where humanity meets with spirits. It is a place where covenants are established and the purpose of an altar is to change the destiny of a person, family, community, group or nation. Now, God told the children of Israel that if his instructions were followed for erecting an altar to him, then he will come to them and bless them. Just as it is true that God will bless those erecting an altar to him, it is also true that those erecting an altar to the enemy, anyone and anything not of God, will receive curses, not only upon themselves, but on their bloodlines. So you may be asking, how does this whole altar thing work, you know, regarding us now? Well, first we give thanks because of the new covenant with Jesus. We are not required to set up earth or stone altars to God. Thank you, Lord. When I asked the Lord about this, he said that um, with modern worship, all of the attention should, should still be on him. So when it came to him telling the children of Israel not to expose themselves on the altar, for us, it means he wants us to come to him in purity, with pure hearts, with no distractions, no self-worship, no pride. The attention should not be on us, but solely on him. With regard to him telling them that they should not use tools on the stone altars, for us, this refers to the modern day altar of worshiping him from our hearts anywhere and at any time, which is a wonderful privilege to have. 
He desires that we not mix any leaven or anything profane, anything that could taint our pure worship of him. For example, we should not be worshiping in our hearts at the altar of worry or the altar of money or our own understanding, lies or even sickness or any other idols. When we meet him at the altar, we are meeting him based on who he is and who we are in him. As children of God, we must be reminded that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We house the Spirit of the living God. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19-20 tells us, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are also reminded that we are kings and priests from a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, according to Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 and 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. As God's children, his beloved, we don't worship at any other altar. We don't worship any other God. Psalm 24 verses 3 to 5 illustrates how we should come to God. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. We are not called to worship that which is beneath God. And it certainly does help to remember who God says we are, kings, priests, and temples that house his spirit. Doesn't hearing that truth make you lift your head, put your shoulders back, and cause you to straighten up a bit? It's an awesome honor, an awesome gift from our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord knows that we are human. And because we are still living in this fallen flesh that doesn't want his will, it is difficult for us to do this on our own. That is why we are reminded that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit is our helper, so we can depend on him to help us to walk according to God's will. Jesus wants us to stay away from the things that can trap us and can hinder us from having true and deep intimacy with him, such as the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that was previously mentioned. These are what we should look out for so that it doesn't interfere with our relationship with God. The modern-day altar is the place in our hearts that we consecrate or make or declare sacred. When we come to God in worship, we should offer him every area of our lives so that Holy Spirit can have full control. If, however, we have given ourselves over in heart to modern-day idols, things, and or other people, we are essentially worshiping false gods and will reap what we sow. 
worshiping at the altar of our understanding or even our feelings, for example, takes away our focus from the Lord and places it on things, people, and our circumstances. What we exalt at the altar, which is our heart, is what we invite to have control over our lives. And if it is not God, then we run the risk of opening the door to the enemy, inviting him to take up residence and build demonic walls, fortresses, and strongholds, which ultimately cause us to be disappointed, defeated, hurt, led astray, attacked, depressed, angry, bitter, greedy, suppressed, oppressed, hindered, blocked, set back, and more. We must be careful to guard our hearts. But how do we turn back? How do we move away from idolatry? How do we move away from worshiping at evil altars? We must first repent. Yep, that's the word. It's coming back again. Repent. The Lord is speaking this word today with urgency. It is imperative that we begin to search our own hearts and ask him to reveal what is hidden from our eyes. This is not a quick word of prayer. This, again, requires action. It requires, in some cases, physically moving away from things, practices, hobbies, interests, desires, goals, plans, and even people, in order to be washed by the truth of God. It requires telling God the truth that we love something or someone more than him. Jesus requires that we do this so that we are not then subject to the dangers of continuing down this path. When we repent, we must submit to God, submit to his word, cleanse and purify our hands and hearts, weep over our sins and humble ourselves before him. As it is written in James chapter 4, verses 10 to 7. I'm sorry, verses 7 to 10. The Bible says that when we submit to God and resist the devil, meaning resist the things he offers to replace God, then the devil will flee. We cannot take God and leave his word. It does not work like that. The Bible tells us that his word is higher than his name. And according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we must live and apply the word of God, which is active and powerful. We are called to develop and nurture intimacy with God. This isn't about religion. The Lord is not calling us to run out of idolizing our careers, for instance, and then running into idolizing church ministry duties instead. He is calling us to run into him. Using the time that we would have used to pursue other things and other people to pursue him. 
He is sovereign in all things and can and will redeem the time you think you've lost or the energy you think you've wasted. He's basically saying, what about me? He's asking his people, just as he did so long ago, to turn from our wicked ways, the wickedness of thinking about only ourselves and serving our desires and cozying up and agreeing with the devil so he can have access to destroy our lives. In order to be set free through repentance, we must truly acknowledge our sin and mourn over what we have done. We are called to humble ourselves before him by admitting the truth that it's his show. We can do nothing without him, and we do need him. Think about it this way. He woke us up this morning, right? That's the truth. And he maintains us, you know, he maintains our lives throughout the day. That's also truth. He gives us gifts and resources, time, energy, etc. Truth. And in return, we take the body he's given us, the breath he's maintaining, and the things that he's gifted us with, and we decide to go bow at the feet of another God. A useless thing. And we give it the breath, the time, the energy, and the resources that God has given to us. God calls this adultery, and it is a painful thing to be cheated on. Let us tell the truth today. Let us not cheat on the Lord anymore. It breaks his heart. Let us turn to loving the God of love himself and him only. Because when we truly think about it, I mean, when we really, really think about it, we can come to only one conclusion. He is more than worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, you are good. This really goes without saying, but we have to come and tell the truth today, Father. Lord Jesus, you have said a lot today, and it is hard for us to hear and to deal with it. But because we have the privilege of coming to your throne of grace to seek grace and to obtain mercy at this time, here we are. Heavenly Father, you said that we should come and contend with you over your word. You said that we should bring you in remembrance of your word as it is written in Isaiah 43, 26. Lord Jesus, you're pleading with us to stop cheating on you and to stop sinning against you. We have come to acknowledge that we have heard your words today and will not turn our hearts away from you anymore. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Father, we have heard every word and we have come to lay ourselves down at the feet of the master in humble repentance. We repent today in the name of Jesus for idolizing other things and people, for placing them above you. We repent for agreeing with the devil. That things, possessions, status, money, power, education, dreams, ambition, drugs, food, sex, our children, our husbands, our wives, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, our houses, any of that will ever satisfy us. 
We repent for every time we have gone to the altar of material things to lay ourselves down in worship. We repent for violating your law without regard, without thought, without recognizing or realizing what it has done to the heart of the one who truly loves us. We acknowledge that it was you who gave yourself up so that we could have this life and have it abundantly. It was you who sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane as you asked the Father to take the cup from you. It was you who gave up your will so that the will of our Father would be done. And now you call us to turn back from tying our hearts to things that cannot satisfy our hunger or quench our thirst. Lord. We repent for giving our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our time, energy, and resources to cheat on you with dead things, with things that are useless and profit nothing, according to Isaiah 44 and 9 to 10. We break every agreement with the kingdom of darkness right now in the name of Jesus Christ, and we tear down every demonic altar that has been erected in our lives in Jesus' name. Your word tells us that we should love you and only you and worship no other. And Father, we have violated the commandment of you, the one and true living God. Heavenly Father, we ask for your fire to destroy every idol, every false god, and every demonic altar in our lives. We know that you are a consuming fire and that you are the God who answers by fire. So we call on you today to help us to separate from the things that are not of you and not for us. Help us, Father, to return to the love of our lives, our King, our Savior, our Master, the one who is the mediator of the new covenant and whose blood covers us and speaks of better things than the blood of Abel, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. Righteous judge, we acknowledge now your word in John 15 and 5 that tells us that without Jesus we can do nothing. We now declare Philippians 4 and 13 over our lives as we say today that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Father Abba, you have been very clear. This behavior will not be tolerated. You will not tolerate our adultery. So we ask you to give us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear the truth. Give us the power to turn away from wickedness today and walk in obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as you have said, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Our hearts are in need of cleansing, Father. Lord, we need your blood to wash us clean. So, Father, as we now confess our sins, we ask for you to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness today, according to your word in 1 John 1 and 9. Help us to see, hear, feel, and experience everything you're revealing right now. Cause it all to come alive to us today. Remove every scale from our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh according to your word in Ezekiel 36 and 26. We pray for more knowledge, Father, more understanding, more revelation and wisdom, so that we may begin to purge, to purge ourselves from this wickedness. Lord, as it is written in Psalm 51, Create in us a pure heart, O God, 
and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Lord Jesus, break our hearts with the things that break your heart. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 that our Father has raised us up with you and seated us with you in the heavenly realms in you. It doesn't get any closer than this. It doesn't get any better than this. And yet we choose to love things that can never come close to the fulfillment that you give to us. We were created to praise you. As it is written in Isaiah 43 and 21, we were created to love you with all of our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies, our strength, with all of our being, according to Mark 12, 30 and 31. There's nothing in your word that commands us to love ourselves above you and please our flesh in place of pleasing you. Nothing at all. We are here, Father. We are here, Lord Jesus. Your children have heard your words. And we now ask, we now ask, that you have mercy upon us. Save us from ourselves today. Protect us from the devices of the enemy as we are now aware of what he has done. Search our hearts today and see what wicked things are in us and lead us in the path of righteousness according to your word in Psalm 139. Father, what can we say in response to the truth that you have revealed today? We must respond in repentance with the heart to walk in obedience. Father, Instagram, YouTube, alcohol, sex, money, jobs, food, our families, our husbands, our children, none of it, none of it, none of it will do. We were made for you. We need you. Wash us today in the blood of Jesus so we may be cleansed and walk in righteousness today. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Join me on the next episode where we continue to learn how Jesus wants to help us break down demonic covenants. So much more will be revealed. If you think this episode was powerful, wait until you hear what else he has to say. You definitely don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, may the Lord God bless and keep you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if it has been impactful or a blessing in any way, please consider sharing this episode with others who may be interested or curious in finding out what it's like to live with Jesus. Also consider leaving a review on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And by God's grace, we'll meet again on the next episode of This is the Life. God bless you.